It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Is the main event Mark's podcast brought to you by the Unhinged Sports Network? I am your first host, lifelong wrestling fan, former radio guy, and cat dad, Troy. And with me, as always, is the WWE Walking Wrestling Encyclopedia and the main event collector. He's the Bobby Heenan to my Tony Schiavone. He's Greg. What's up, Greg? All right, I'm a goat. Yeah, you're the brain, and I can shampoo a water buffalo. <laughs> 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 that's a good trade-off, I guess. Uh, man, that's a deep cut for anybody that listens to what happened when. If you're going to be him, you need to take thinly veiled shots at AEW, though. Oh, man, yeah. I, I don't know if you catch that, man, but he takes so many like shots at it. <laughs> it's, it's he, takes shot at, he takes shots at the product he commentates for? Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, you yeah. can just – I mean, not all the time, not like blatantly, but – you can tell he's like laughing at his breath. Oh my god, I can't believe we're doing this crap. Like I've, I've seen this before. I've heard like, him stuff like, like that, but I've heard him do some laughs sometimes where it's like I think he's laughing at them, not with them. Uh, yeah, totally. Just the way it sounds. Um, but usually he sounds like, uh, and he had to do this a lot in WCW, so he's had a ton of training at it. But usually he sounds, it, he he seems like a kid in a candy store, like oh look look at all this stuff going on in front of me. Oh, yeah, pretty much. Whereas Jr. is usually the one that's, you know, crotchety and it's like, oh, here we go again. Somebody's jumping on somebody else on the outside of the ring. It's like, dude, you can't even fake it anymore. <laughs> well, right now we're going to be talking about the good old days, though, back in 1996. This was actually before I ever started watching wrestling. This was about a year and a half, give or take, before I actually started watching wrestling full time. Uh, well, a year and a couple months, probably, because I when I started watching wrestling, I've mentioned before, it was like uh, between Bad Blood and WrestleMania 14. So so I know it was somewhere at the end of 97. 
So, because I remember all the lead up to WrestleMania that year, and it was it was huge for me being a brand new fan. And I, I mean, it was huge for you being a lifelong fan and watching for as long as you were. Oh yeah, but this is one of my underrated favorites time periods. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and this 1996, uh, I mentioned before, we've covered a lot from 1996 from the WWF side. Last year, uh, our second show ever was on the Great American Bash 1996, was a, which was a pay-per-view before this one. And it was a damn good show. If anybody goes back and wants to check that out, it was great. If I remember correctly, was that the debut of Rey Mysterio Jr.? Uh, 96, yes. Yeah, Great American Bash. Okay, so check that out. The debut of Ray Ray. He's on this show in the opening match that I'm excited to talk about as well. And there's a lot of newsworthy stuff to get to on this one. And obviously we're building up to who is the third man? Mabel. Oh, well, yeah. We talked about it a little bit last week. If anybody listens to our King of the Ring 1996 episode, there was a lot of speculation going around about who it would be. There was Lex Luger, Bret Hart, British Bulldog, and of course, Mabel. You know, because that was a realistic one. <laughs> I don't call that speculation when Bischoff flat out laughs at it and says that was the dumbest thing. <laughs> Who, why, like, why would they even pitch that idea? Like, I feel like that's just one of them things that Uncle Dave pulled straight out of his ass and printed. Like, there was no, there's no rumor. There's no, well, if you believe this, it could lead you to believe that. No, 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 no. It's just straight out of his ass. <sighs> So we'll get into all of that, who the third man really was, and the start of a revolution in the wrestling world, something that 96 was a big year. I've said before there was a, it was kind of a rebuilding year, if you want to think of it in sports terms, for both companies. When I say both, I mean WWE or WWF, whatever, and WCW, not including I think including you know a little something about rebuilding, by the way. I mean, look at you now. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so we'll get into all of that, uh, but we're going to hit the news and notes right after this break real quick before we hit that break. Just want to let you know, we're sponsored by Fubo TV and fanatics more on that in the breaks coming up. And if you are listening on the podcast feed, please subscribe, spread the word and leave a five-star review. That also spreads the word. If you are listening on the podcast feed and not listening to us live, you can check us out every Wednesday live at 8 PM Eastern 5 PM Pacific we play on unhinged sn.airtime.pro and we uh, have an encore presentation an hour and a half after that so check us out live hit them up unhinged sn.airtime.pro when we come back from this it's all the news and notes from july of 1996 Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Get all the best podcast swag from the main event marks. Our merch shop offers custom graphics, including the podcast logo on hats, shirts, masks, greeting cards, and more. There are tons of new designs with more dropping all the time. Just head on over to redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash main event marks to grab your podcast merch today and become an official main event mark. That's redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash main event marks. Main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. And we're back. Time to dive into the news and notes. This first one, well, 
if, if anybody's kept up with everything going on uh, from, you know, leading up to this in our podcast in the 1996 stuff, if you know wrestling history, you saw this one coming. The Ultimate Warrior's future with the WWF is in question after he missed several weekend house shows after the death of his father, Warrior's father, who he had been estranged from since he was three years old, passed away last week. Warrior then no-showed the following weekend house shows. The wrestlers have been told that the Warrior is gone, but there's no word on if he quit or if he was fired. It makes a huge difference because if he quit, he wouldn't be able to go to WCW for the remainder of his contract, which uh, has about 14 months left. If he was fired, however, he could work anywhere he wants immediately. I'm going to say he was... uh... I'm going to say he quit. Oh, yeah. I don't remember how that all went down. I know that they prorated his contract, basically. And um, fun fact, it was the Cal Palace in San Francisco that he no-showed. and I don't remember why. We, we weren't going, but like we were really glad we didn't. Yeah, wow. Yeah, you're like, where's the warrior? I wonder if that's one of them. Did you hear about when, when he was doing this? They would actually make an announcement over the, the speakers at the show. They would say, the uh, the Ultimate Warrior isn't here tonight. He thinks he's too good to wrestle in front of all of you fans. Or something to that effect. I heard that. I don't know if, I didn't know if it was true or not. Yeah, I guess I guess they did. And I, I think Bruce Pritchard and others have admitted they were like, well, yeah. They're like, we're not putting the heat on us. He's the one that no-showed. <laughs> F him. Like, yeah. He's the original Scott Hall, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well... This all, by the way, uh, well, I'll get into it because this next show kind of uh, or this next story rather kind of uh, real quick. Into... Um, what's funny about it, as I remember watching it on on Raw when Grilla Monsoon said because, you know, show and everything, um, he was actually on that show. So clearly it was taped. Um, yeah, <laughs> I just always laughed at that. Uh, yeah, they they said that was a big problem because they were like, well, technically he's gone. But at the same time, we pre-recorded these shows and he's on them in big angles so <laughs> what the luckily hell? he lost i think it was to owen hart that night so it didn't really hurt anything mm. but still yeah they said uh they had to do an about face with him and figure stuff out which you know kind of leads into this next story here uh in an online interview last week warrior said that he missed the shows because his father died and he didn't understand why they buried him like that at, at the house shows Warrior said that he plans to return on the July 11th house show in New York, but sources in the WWF say that he's done. On the upcoming Raw, which was already taped a week ago, Warrior gets a triple team beatdown by Bulldog, Vader, and Owen Hart. Do you remember I that? I believe it was literally, yeah, it was literally the last time we ever saw him in a, compete in a WWE ring. Yeah, that's a, that's a sad way to go out, but yeah, well, and the thing is... It gets worse because the thing is, uh, they I think they found out that his dad had like quite a ways before all this, and and they said he was just using it as an excuse because one they said well his dad didn't just die he died a while ago so why is he just now taking time off you know because his dad died, and the second thing is they said he never he hadn't seen his father since he was like twelve and he did and he hated his father. So I remember Bruce take... saying that, yeah. Yeah, and I, and, uh, I think Vince McMahon had said it in, I want to say, the A&E documentary. He he was talking about it. He was like, well, it was my understanding that he hated his father, and he hadn't seen him since he was 12 and had no intention of ever seeing him again. So uh, I don't know why he was 
no showing, you know, his job to supposedly go, you know, because his dad died. And it's like, and, it was and a cover. Yeah. It's like, so, and, and again, it was, the, it was the boy who cried wolf kind of thing too. It's like, he has screwed them over so many times at this point, they're not just going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Nor should they. Yeah. Well, it was like the Sid thing, which <laughs> we'll get Ironically, into. Ironically, yeah. Yeah, we'll get into that here in a second. But it's like the Sid thing here in a couple of years where he started no showing, and they said, Look, like, I know you keep saying, oh, I'm hurt, and I can't come, even though you're playing softball, you're supposedly hurt and can't come wrestle. They're like, You well, at least. Well, in fact, if you're hurt, you can still play softball. Oh, well, yeah, of course. But I guess they, they told them, they're like, you at least have to come to TV and cut a damn promo or something. Make yourself seen. Yeah, because like, you know, that's act- what we want is another Sid promo. Yeah. Uh, hold on. Let me, let me start again. We're live, pal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he like because the, they, they told him, they're like, we're paying you an ass ton of money to no show. So they prorated his contract. They're like, you're not getting paid unless you show up and then you'll get paid. Which, That's how it should be. I mean, yeah. I mean, I I do contract work. If I do not show up for a day of work, I do not get my money for that day. Period. I don't know what the difference here is. <sighs> but uh, the WWF called Bret Hart, who had been out since WrestleMania, and tried to get him to come back and fill in for the Warrior on shows that he had been advertised for. But Hart apparently shot it down. So Sid Vicious, who had been out of action for months, was brought in as a babyface to fill the role. Was this another one of those what about Sid <laughs> instances? Probably, which I laugh at because now that we know about that, I, I look at every time he's come back now, I was like, was this that? <laughs> <laughs> right. They're like, uh, they're just sitting around. They're like, what about this guy? Nah, he can't. What about that guy? Nah, I don't know. I got it. What about Sid? Sure. <laughs> he's just off playing softball. I was a huge fan of his. So I I ate it up every time. I'll be honest. But yeah, I mean, I love Sid. I think this was a good run for him coming back, or you know. Oh, well, he, it, it got him his first uh, world title too. So yeah, so this was this was good for him. I think. I I mean, and and every time you know people can complain about him and say he sucked or whatever else, but hot damn, that cra- you and I talked about that crowd was electric whenever he came out. Go back and watch when he wins the title from the Shawn Michaels at uh, Survivor Series '96. I mean, Who's a baby face? A huge baby face. Yeah. The freak, speaking of babies, you know, the babies get thrown in the air, man, when he wins. Like, it's nuts. I know. Was that? Wait, um, we reviewed that show. I want to say the there was one. Was it the one? Yeah, it was the Survivor Series when he won the title. When yeah, the Rocks at, debut. And... Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, go back uh, now in the archives. Uh, Survivor Series 96. That one was a damn good show, by the way. But when Sid comes out, when you hear those first few notes of his music, freaking Madison Square Garden blows the damn roof off the place. They're like fist bumping him and everything else on the way out. Like, damn, this dude's over. Madison Square Garden will tell you how they feel. <laughs> oh, yeah. You and I, I mean, it's not the same arena, but it's the same people. We went to Brooklyn and they were not shy. Dude, The Undertaker got booed and Brock Lesnar got cheered. OK, so that should tell you all you need to know right there. Yeah, it was a little weird, but. Uh, anyway, and Bret Hart got heat on him for this, by the way, because he told him no. It's like, it's, so every time you guys are in a bind, he has to come back and bail your ass out? Like, he has other obligations. <laughs> Good lord. Like, I see both sides of the story. I really do. 
because on one hand they're like, well, you should be a good employee, and you know, like we're trying to, we want to bring you back and put you on top in place of the warrior. And on his side, it's like, I told you I was taking time off. I'm taking time off. I'm not coming back. Like that should be the end of the story. But I don't know. Uh, I I did like the compare, and I never thought of this till now. Uncle Dave Meltzer pointed out uh, he was like, so thank you for saying Meltzer because I didn't know what Dave you're talking about. Well, for the new listeners out there who are like, who the hell is Uncle Dave? Why does he refer to him as Uncle Dave? I don't get it. Blame the young bucks for that one. All right. Uh, but anyway, when uh, he, he had said something about it, he was like, I feel like Bret Hart is going to be to WWF what Ric Flair was to NWA, where he's going to be the champion like 500 times because whatever whatever their plan was goes south. They're like, damn it, put the title back on Bret. He and, only held it five times, too, so... Yeah, I know. It's like, eh. it was in a short, relatively short amount of time, I think. But still, uh, speaking of the Hart family, Matthew Hart, the 13 year old nephew of Bretton Owen, was hospitalized this week in critical condition with a very serious virus. Matthew is the son of Georgia Hart and Owen is especially close to the child. Unfortunately, it turns out that it was some flesh eating virus and he ended up passing away from it. I never heard that in my life. I know that's <laughs> That's sad. This was a rough time for a lot of people, man. Well, we're going to raise the mood a little bit here with this one. Salvatore Sincere, T.L. Hopper, The Goon, The Pug, and Jim Neidhart under a mask all debuted at the same WWF TV tapings. Neidhart's name is... Holy hell, what a rogues gallery. I know, all on the same taping? Man, that's like an all-star show. (laughs) But Neidhart's name is Who, and he's billed from being from... Who knows where? Yep. That was a thing. It was the rhino. Mm-hmm. So. How do you pitch those... that? No, to, to Stu. All right, we'll bring him back, but it's going to be who? Yeah. Who? Exactly. Yeah, who? No, yeah, who? What do you mean? Who, who's who? The uh, Neidhart. He's, the rhino? Yeah, the rhino. Yeah, who? Who? who's the rhino? Neidhart. He's going to be who? Who what? What's, what's going on with the rhino? Eh? Who's getting stretched? No, no. Who is not going to – who's going to do the stretching? Wait, who's stretching who? No, no. God. This could go on forever. This could have went on for like seven years. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, That would have been great. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to hear that phone call like after Stu saw that on TV and Vince answered the phone. Stu, how you doing, pal? And he's like, hey, uh, were you some kind of weirdo or something? Uh, I saw what you did to the rhino. Uh, It's not very nice. Uh, yellow isn't flattering on him. Eh. It's funny. I never knew that was him until many, many, many years later. Wow, really? Yeah. Well, hey, they did a good, did a good job uh, with it. And, uh, apparently, this was a Bruce Pritchard idea from out of the box of gimmicks, and it was based on the old Abbott and Costello who's on first. Yeah, because Waller and McMahon like, did all that on commentary. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because what's going to what's going to appeal to the masses in 1996, Greg, a joke from like the 50s. P.L. Hopper. Oh, well, yeah, the wrestling, uh, the wrestling plumber. For God's sake. And Salvatore Sincere. I I, I still don't know what he was. Just he was just uh, an Italian guy. And he was super sincere. He was very honest. By the way, I never heard of the pug. What the hell is that? I don't know what the hell that is. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to look that up and see if they changed his name and went they like did a 180 or something. Yeah, I'm like who changed him to something else? 
Yeah, like what? First of all, I mean, obviously it's, pug. It's, it's a dog, right? I assume. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, he's a. He's just. He's. He looks like Charlie Haas almost, and it just says the pug on his singlet. Like I, I don't. He looks like. Uh, like early stages of Kurt Angle planning almost. If you look him up, he's got like a Charlie Haas. Like body wise and face wise, he looks like Charlie Haas. But uh, like colors and everything, he looks like you know Team Angle. <laughs> oh, I don't know. That's uh really weird. His real name is Alex Porto. His nickname is the Pug. You know, Alex because when I poor bastards, what I think. <laughs> yeah, because you know when I think of a really threatening, mean, vicious dog, I think of a damn pug. <laughs> you know that thing who's it's googly eyes are looking two different directions. He's got his tongue hanging out and he. <laughs> breathes like he's on a ventilator a talking dog and man in black yeah right yeah he's he man he scared the hell out of me <laughs> Ugh, somebody who should be scared about what's about to happen to him ron simmons is expected to debut at the next tapings with a huge push and will be managed by sunny well yeah about that yeah he shows up in a turquoise uh spartan helmet i think he was managed by sunny wasn't he he was, yeah, but for like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, if there's one person that needs Sonny backing him up, it's Ron Simmons, whatever. Now, speaking of Sonny, she and Skip, a.k.a. Chris Candido, recently became engaged after being together for the last six years. Oh, good. She got engaged to him while she's screwing Shawn Michaels. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, well, sure. Apparently it's not alleged because that was all up in her book, and uh, some people at WWF got really mad at Bruce Pritchard for talking about it. So, I blame Conrad. That was a running gag for a while, because Bruce was like, well, I got some phone calls over the weekend, and um, well, uh, let's just say I'm not invited back to WWF anytime soon. (laughs) (laughs) How'd that work out? Yeah, now he's running both shows, as far as I know. Back out for sure, the greatest show on TV right now, so... From what I heard, he's running both, which makes me makes me wonder is like is SmackDown his priority? Because clearly, I mean, yeah, it seems like Raw's been lagging a bit, but I don't know. Here's a off the wall one I wouldn't expect to be talking about, but here it is. One of the overweight women. Never good when you start it like that. Well, one of the overweight women who used to occasionally appear on the old Tuesday Night Titans show passed away this week from an E. coli infection, which is odd. But they used to bring these three overweight women onto the show in bathing suits for Bobby Heenan to make fun of. And she also held up signs as a ring girl on the early Monday Night Raw. I definitely remember that. Yeah, they were the. Oh, I can't remember the. They were sisters. I remember that Rossetti. I think their name were Rossetti sisters. Oh, I'm pretty sure they were white. Oh, good lord. Uh, it, it, what did what, Bobby Heenan had a super offensive name for him? It was like something about no. pigs or something about like um the the pig sisters or something like that or the something about pigs or hogs or something like that. I don't even remember. This was pretty Godwin's too, folks. <sighs> yeah, it was. Oh, man. But yeah, apparently she passed away. One one of the triplets passed away around this time. So Uh, the Los Angeles Times had a lengthy story about weightlifter Mark Henry, who's being sponsored by the WWF and will probably join the company after he competes in the Olympics. 
that does happen. And uh, from everything I heard, people said he just he sucked and he wasn't picking it up for years. Well, he really didn't really get going until about 1998 or, or maybe late 97. He joined the Nation of Domination. Yeah, because that was the thing back then. Like, if you're black, you're probably going to be in that. I don't know why they decided that was a thing, but they did. Because uh, they tried to make it like, and regardless of whatever they say, I mean, look at how they're dressed. Listen to their music. They put up the fist. It was a take on the Black Panthers. They I mean, say it whatever the works. hell they want. I mean, I'm not oh, knocking it. Oh no, I I'm just, not knocking it whatsoever. I, just I think it, was, it worked great. Just thought it was stupid. Like, oh, someone's black. They got to have him in the nation. <laughs> like, wow, <laughs> you don't even give him a chance, dude. Even The Rock, who is, well, I'll say, uh, as far as Mark Henry goes, uh, I mean, what was he doing before that? He was wearing the red, white, and blue, and he was the Olympic weightlifter that yeah. really couldn't wrestle. I mean, they had so, to hard in the nation, too, but it just... That was a weird one. just didn't work, and it was over before it really got going. Didn't work for me, brother. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> allegedly, they, they were trying there for a while, because they signed Mark Henry to a big-ass contract. And they were trying to get like do things to make him quit, and he never did, because uh, they start having buyer's remorse after a while with him. They're like, he's just not getting it. He's not gonna get it. We don't want to put him on TV, but we're paying him a lot of money. Just uh, you know, let, let's do things to to make him quit. Allegedly, that's what uh, the sexual chocolate thing was about. And then he ended up just leaning into it. I don't know if I buy it. That sounds like some stupid crap Russo did because he thought it was funny. Oh, I'm sure he did. Well, and then they repeated it years later with Viscera, who, Mabel, who we were just talking about. <laughs> anyway, at a WCW house show in New York, crowds greeted Conan with chants of You Still Suck and ECW. Conan got on the mic and began swearing at the fans and running down ECW. Kevin Sullivan took the mic from Conan and apologized and said that they weren't the opinions of WCW and actually said some nice things about ECW. Conan caught a lot of heat backstage for losing his temper. Why would they care if he crapped on ECW? It's not like they had a working relationship. Conan's still getting his ass beat on TV to this day. Just happened on on Saturday night. <laughs> oh, did they beat him up? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Hey, man, with the with the physical condition he's in, kudos to him. You that know, I gotta can... say, I was, I was gonna say, too, he looked pretty good. He did. Not like, you know, like amazing, but he didn't yeah. look messed up like he usually is. I don't mean yeah. that like in a drug way either, by the way. People don't hear that. Thing. Oh, well, he, I mean, he smokes like a ton of ganja. Just I, don't anybody. That, I don't consider that a drug, though. Well, no, but I'm just saying like he's always blazed. Just that's He's like Snoop Dogg. That's just like his default setting is, is blazed. <laughs> but yeah, he, um, he looked pretty good, though. Yeah, I mean, when he wants to, he's one of the best promos to ever grab a microphone. If you haven't he, heard uh, this one yet, I recommend you see it. Because, yeah, still got it on the mic. Oh, yeah, he's fantastic. Uh, WCW has huge momentum in the Monday Night Wars right now. Uh, part of it is due to the two-hour format, which gives them an hour jumpstart on Raw, but the other part has to be credited to the angle with Kevin Ash and Scott Hall. Speaking of which, they're supposed to be heels, but they get huge cheers every week because they come out to the ring and are usually surrounded by cops with guns and half the WCW locker room, but they never back down. So it ends up making them look badass and cool. Side note, right. by the way, the new Nash figure coming out is this Nash, which I'm super stoked about. Oh, uh, yeah, the backwards bandana and everything. I, yeah. 
I will say I cheered the hell out of him at this time too because I thought they were in WWE. So I mean, well, I mean, we take that back. I knew they were in WWE because you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. But that had hey, a lot to do with it. So. Hey, if you if you watch Great American Bash, they flat out say we are not with WWF. So. I believe Bischoff said that happened because they were forced to do it. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah that was part of the lawsuit against them. They were like, you gotta say that you're not with the WWF. It's like fine, but yeah, it was a great segment too. If anybody wants to go back and watch, here's here's some some good stuff here, man. WCW has a new character named Glacier coming in, as seen by the weekly promos on TV. Yeah. Uncle Dave Meltzer doesn't know who it is and has been told that it's Chris Champion by some people. Wrong. He's also been told that it was some guy that has never wrestled before that they are training. Right. Still wrong. No, actually, he had some training, so. He... Uh, well, you see him wrestle? I don't believe that. Wow. Now, uh, he... also, I'm going to say I liked him. Sorry, I did. I get crap for that. I don't care. I thought he was a cool character. Well, he's also been told that it will be. Uh, more than one person, and then it will be a futuristic martial arts team. Wrong for the third time. Wrong-ish. Not a team. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to ever give that idiot any credit, but it wasn't completely horseshit. Well, it, yeah. Urban Legend sure. says that a young Garrett Bischoff did all this. Did you ever hear that yeah. one? <laughs> yeah, well, because yeah, Eric said that uh, every time he would see his son playing video games, it was always Mortal Kombat, and he's like, yeah. oh, I can capitalize on that. It's like, ugh, for God's sake, not everything has to be a gimmick, dude. I like how— yeah, the, People give Vince McMahon shit for that, by the way. I just find I'm, it funny, though. It's like, wow, hypocrisy much? Like, everybody did it. Now, well, it yeah. worse, I'll say that. It was the dumbest, but he's not the well, only one. I, <laughs> well, on one hand, and Conrad pointed this out, too. He's like, on one hand, you're bringing in the realism. It's, you know, it's not Diesel and Razor anymore. It's Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. And they're going to be joining with Hulk Hogan turning, you know, spoiler. Uh, but, you know, Hogan's turning to a bad guy and, that you know, they're blurring the lines and all that. And then you've got an effing ninja dressed like Sub-Zero. <laughs> with, like, by the way, one of the coolest entrances in history, I need to point out. Yeah, and I'm not putting putting it down like you said. The entrance is awesome, whatever. But at the same time, when he comes to the ring, he makes it snow. Like, what? Uh, well, speaking... I mean, the Undertaker makes the arena cold. So, I mean, yeah, cold from the, the, the smoke machine or ice machine, whatever the hell it is. Yeah, the dry ice. Yeah, I I did laugh. Uh, speaking of cool entrances, thinking about you know we we said for all the crap we talk about you know the Oz gimmick that we've been reviewing from kevin nash the, the i i missed this line from Shawn michaels when he was uh in 95 he he had a line uh where he said yeah i bet some <laughs> what the hell uh but he had but he had a line to diesel in 95 he said something about uh you're running like the cowardly lion and i'm gonna smack you back to oz <laughs> and i'm like damn <laughs> like that's that. a that's a deep cut there was another one where Diesel was at a at a personal appearance, so Sean brought out a cardboard cutout of him to cut a promo on him, and he called him a paper champion. <laughs> good lord. <laughs> oh, man, this is some good stuff, man. But anyway, uh, Ted DiBiase will be starting with WCW in the fall as an announcer. Slash well, manager. <laughs> yeah. Well, he did, he did actually commentate sold out uh, 1997. Yeah, right. The infamous sold out 1997. Yeah. God, yeah. I believe that's in the archives, yeah? No, we haven't reviewed that one. 
we we should <laughs> should we yeah well we've reviewed uh sold out 2000 that's in the archives if anybody wants to go check it out oddly enough this is probably better <laughs> yeah well we're talking about grading on a huge curve with that one but you know right well w, ted dibiase it, it's an odd like bit of trivia to know that ted dibiase was the fourth man like have you thought about that yeah, have you it's it, it's a weird order because it's DiBiase is the fourth man, and then the giant is the fifth man, and then Six Pac is the sixth man. I like because even with the Hall of Fame stuff, like they included Six Pac in the NWO for the Hall of Fame. Why? <laughs> to appease Paul Nash, because that's their buddy. Yeah, yeah I, I guess. Uh, Not that you need to appease those two nowadays, but I, I don't. Right. Well, uh, Hall did say, and this this is a bit of trivia for you. He said before the pandemic hit and they canceled everything, he said he was originally told that Eric Bischoff wasn't going to be announced, but during their induction, they were going to call Bischoff onto the stage and induct him on the spot, like surprise him. And they told Hall, they said, "Don't tell Eric. He's going to be in the crowd. We want to surprise him." but we're going to throw him in with you guys. And he said, because of everything that happened, it just, it didn't work out. And they inducted Eric on his own. I think he should have went on his own, honestly, because he's known for more stuff than that. So I agree. But at the same time, yeah, because he actually has like a, an historic GM career in the WWE to, to right, you know, yeah. of note. So <sighs> good Lord. Speaking of WCW in 2000, Dale Torborg, son of the former oh, White God. Sox, son of the former White Sox and Indians manager Jeff Torborg, wants to be a wrestler. He played a couple of years for the Yankees minor league team, but couldn't make the cut into the major leagues. Yeah. For those that don't know why I said speaking of WCW 2000, uh, he took over as a Kiss Demon after Brian Adams gave it up. Wasn't Brian Adams a Kiss Demon for maybe like one or two shows? I feel like he was the Kiss Demon for the debut, and that was it. Okay. Yeah, so that's what I thought, because whenever I think of that gimmick, I think of Dale Torborg, which is sad that that's I the mean, only thing he's known for. I remember watching it when it happened, knowing it was uh, Crush, and then yes. it wasn't him. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, I saw that, right? And I guess over yeah. the years I tried to give it to myself, it was not him. I didn't see that. I was seeing things, but no. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, he was he was him. <laughs> That's pretty bad. When it, it, like, I'm going to assume that Brian Adams, like, because he went through quite a few weird gimmicks that you and I have talked about, you know, like the prisoner crush and all that stuff. Well, like, no, that wasn't really a gimmick. Well, yeah, but it, it's funny when, when even he comes up, he's like, look, I'd rather do chronic. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, right. Uh, but there's a this is the final story here to wrap things up. There's a rumor that Ken Shamrock will be going to New Japan when his contract with Pencrase expires next year. It's well known that Antonio Inoki wants to create a shooting promotion under the New Japan Pro Wrestling umbrella. Well, Spoiler, the, he doesn't. Yeah, no, he doesn't go there. He goes to the WWE, obviously. Uh, and the shooting promotion doesn't really happen. It's what you and I talked about a couple weeks ago. They did more of like a crossover between New mm -hmm. Japan and Pride. So, yeah, that was that. So, wrong. Ken Shamrock goes to the Big E for a little while, or I guess at that time, the Big F. Oh, yeah? 
<laughs> wow. But all right, man, that does it for the news and notes. I think we're going to take our next break. When we come back, we're going to dive into the event at hand, and it's a good one. WCW's uh, Bash of the a, Beach. It's a great one. Hell yeah, it is. Bash of the Beach, 96. We'll be right back after this. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. My name is Thomas, and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. We right. shared a room. I thought I knew your face. Yeah, we so go maybe. way back, mate. Yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do, we do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The... Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books, we're talking about professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also check us out on Twitter, at The Broadcast. That's B-R-O... Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Ending. Yeah, it's all right. Good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the broadcast podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C. We spell it with a K. Sorry, mate. Take it easy. The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. And we're back. Time for the WCW Bash at the Beach 1996 review. This show took place July 7th, 1996. It had two taglines. The first one was, this is no day at the beach. And the second one was, catch the big one. Okay, that, that second one was like, whatever. The first one, I mean, it's ironic because, uh, wait, 95 was the one at the beach, wasn't it? Where they were literally on the beach? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, they're right. <laughs> Uh, but this took place at the Ocean Center in Daytona Beach, Florida, an attendance of 8,300. And I will the same say... same place they were revealed for TNA. Fun fact. Oh, really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Eric Bischoff just has a thing with revealing big secrets of this building. <laughs> uh, but I will say they papered some of this building, but Bischoff explained it where they didn't... I mean, obviously they didn't know it was going to be a sellout. And he said they ended up turning people away because they already papered. And you can't change that, you know? It is what it is. BS, who tells people with paper? Get the hell out, never mind. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, I know we gave you free tickets, but um, get the F out. Uh, but the pay-per-view buy rate for this one was 0.71, which amounted to 250,000 buys. Because Not bad. nobody knew what the hell they were going to see. Guarantee you had been through the roof more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and things continued to climb. This was their going to be their second year in a row of actually turning a profit. But, you know, I, I still feel like Eric Bischoff doesn't get enough credit for that. He's starting to, but it's a little late. Anyway, the opening video plays up the hostile takeover by the Outsiders and how they've been doing battle with Sting, Macho Man, and Lex Luger each week. We go from this to our three-man commentary team of Tony Schiavone, Dusty Rhodes, and Bobby Heenan. Dusty looks like he's dressed for a funeral. Tony's, yep. <laughs> Tony's in an extra large tuxedo for some reason. And Bobby Heenan looks like he's going to a fancy beach restaurant. My good Lord. These three look like the most awkward pairings of all time. Motley but, crew. 
Yeah. I just, when I see Bobby Heenan, all I could think of was um, uh, Rodney Dangerfield's character from Caddyshack. <laughs> oh, this is the worst looking hat I ever saw. Well, you buy a hat like this, I'll bet you get a free bowl of soup, huh? Oh, it looks good on you, though. <sighs> but this first match, man, we're starting off hot. Psychosis versus Rey Mysterio Jr. went just shy of 15 and a half minutes. Of course, Mike Tenay is on commentary for this one because, you know, he knows all the international stars. Uh, he didn't said, really, uh, sockhead idiot. <laughs> good Lord. Uh, he, yeah, and he didn't yell the names of the moves, though. He just explained them. It's like, Mike Tenay, by oh, the way, just, in my opinion, so damn underrated. Oh, yeah. As an analyst, the third man in the booth. As a third man! <laughs> he, I mean, he was damn good. Yeah, I, I like, you know, the, the difference between him and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Excalibur that I was talking about like last week. You know, it's like Mike Tenay would be, well, in America, we call that a suicide dive. But in Mexico, it's Tope Suicida. Whereas, you know, flip over to Excalibur, it's just Tope Suicida. Like, dude, why are you yelling at me? <laughs> I want you to know this. Yeah, it's important. You know the Mexican name for the move. <laughs> but anyway, Bobby Heenan says that Rey Mysterio has hair like Demi Moore. Oh uh, God! What was that movie she was in? Uh, Corp. G.I. Jane. Jane. That was it. Yeah. And Psychosis has See, hair when like. He said he- that's the first thing I thought about too. Like, is that what he means? <laughs> yeah, it has to be it. And he said the Psychosis has hair like Ted Bundy. Oh, God. <laughs> what the hell? There's a hell of a contrast. Yeah, like, what the... F- what? <sighs> but after an amazing match, Psychosis goes for a top rope splash mountain, but Mysterio reverses it into a hurricane rana for a pin. Uncle Dave gives us four and three-quarter stars. I can't imagine what shaved off a quarter of a star. I, I just gave it four and a half. What say you? I gave it four. I loved it. Yeah, this was... Damn freaking good. I don't think these two I ever had a bad match. I think this might have been the best match of the night. Oh, yeah. In terms of pure, like, uh, just amazingness in the ring, it was great. And it holds up today. Keep in mind, we don't know who Rey Mysterio is at this time. At least I didn't. You know, he's just, oh, yeah. Uh, they, like, like I said, this was only his second pay-per-view. So this yeah. was huge. I, I want to say this was Psychosis's debut. Or at least that I couldn't tell you. But. Yeah. Uh, but Mike Tanay did a really good job of laying out how they've been feuding ever since. Like, they trained together. Uh, they, you know, they've been feuding ever since. They're lifelong enemies and blah, blah, blah. So that was cool. And if anybody goes back, they even had a great match. And I'm not going to tell you where, but um, or what event, whatever. But Rey Mysterio and Psychosis had a great match in ECW. It was a, I want to say it was a Texas death match. Really freaking good. But anyway, backstage, Mean Gene Okerlund is standing by with the United States champion Conan, who we mentioned earlier. Mean Gene asks Conan to describe the final moves of that previous match. And then Mean Gene lets us know that Conan wrestled in Mexico just one day before this match coming up. Conan tells Ric Flair that if anyone else gets involved in their one-on-one match, he'll take them out because he's going back to Mexico with the U.S. title. I always like how Conan points out, by the way, he's, he's a huge star in Mexico and all that, but... Anytime somebody calls, says something about uh, Mexicans or whatever, he's like, bro, I'm not Mexican. <laughs> Is he Cuban, right? I think he's Cuban, oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so. he was Cuban. Homicide's Mexican. Hernandez, or Homicide's 
Puerto Rican, and then right. homicides. Or Hernandez is Mexican, so that's yeah. why the LAX worked because they were all different Latin. Yeah, and then the current version, uh, well, not the current version of LAX. I don't call themselves LAX anymore, but uh, Santana and Ortiz. I think they're both Puerto Rican. Both being from the Bronx, I'm gonna say it's a fair, it's a fair bet or a good bet. <laughs> right. Uh, but up next we get Big Bubba with Jimmy Hart in his corner taking on John Tenta. And this is this, not just an ordinary match, folks. Oh no 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 no. Oh yeah, this is a Carson City Silver Dollar match. Which, if you're asking what the <laughs> F is that, I'll tell you here in just a minute. This went nine minutes exactly. A Carson City Silver Dollar match is where they fill a tube sock full of silver dollars. They hang it from a really high pole in the corner, and then you have to pull it down, and you are able to use it as a weapon. And no, folks, Troy is not making that up. <laughs> nope. Uh, every word I just said is real. John Tenta, yes, is earthquake, avalanche, shark. I like, by the way, that Bobby Heenan had to point out in this match, he's like, well, John Tenta, you know, he he's, uh, he's not a fish. He's a man. Yeah, you cut that... Oh awesome promo a couple weeks before this yeah uh big bubba is a big boss man you know what i talk about rebuilding here (laughs) yeah but tenta looks like a cross between norman the lunatic and the apartment building super from friends oh my god trigger am i wrong here (laughs) no but i didn't see it till now (laughs) half of his skull has been shaved off and, and he shaved off his beard, so now he's just got a mustache. So <sighs> the thing was shaved off because Bubba shaved his hair off and refused yeah. to, to to cut the other half because he wanted to, quote, remind himself every day of that. Yeah, because you, yeah, you can't just shave it all off and then look in the mirror and be like, I'm bald because of him. No, no, no. you got to make yourself look weird as hell to remind yourself. Yeah. Oh, Sorry, hey. I just I sent some sarcasm there. Yeah. Think about this. He walked around like this in everyday life. See, he did a promo, too, and he says his, his neighbors look at him funny. Like, something tells me there's a lot of truth in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I. You know what? I don't doubt you for a second, John. <laughs> oh, good Lord. But anyway, uh, Bud, and Bubba got his beard cut at the Great American Bash, if you remember, because uh, Tenta was looking for revenge. And uh, he went to cut the rest of Tenta's hair, but Tenta got the scissors and cut Bubba's beard. So when we break this all down like this, you can see why they had to break out the silver dollar on a pole map. There's only one way to end this feud, man. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, my gosh. Hey, when you're feuding over hair, only one thing is going to finish this. God dang it. Loose change. <laughs> <laughs> In a sock. Oh, man. Uh, but Bubba realizes he can't climb the pole, which, by the way, this isn't just like a regular pole where you can stand on the top rope and grab it. No, it's a an extremely high pole that you they would have had to climb up. And you had to be so, extremely high to book this, by the way, but I digress. Russo's not even here, by the way. I just got to I feel the need to point that out. But Bubba real, realizes he can't climb the pole. So he sends Jimmy Hart up there up there to get the sock full of silver dollars. I just said that. Uh, but on Jimmy's way down, Tenta lays out Bubba before stealing the sock from from Hart. Tenta then smacks Bubba with the silver dollars and pins him. Even though the stipulation was silly, 
I didn't completely hate this match. They gave it their best shot. And Uncle Dave gave it a star and a quarter. I gave it two and a half for average. What say you? I, I gave it two. I did like how at the end when Jimmy Hart was coming down with it, with the silver dollars, Tensa fan like shoved him, and he went like kind of went flying. Oh yeah, where he's like that holding part, on to the pole, yeah, like what? Laughed so hard. <laughs> I will say they even despite of all the crap we just talked about it. I mean, these two had a pretty good match with one another. The silly stipulation bogged it down a bit, but, you know, it wasn't terrible. But after the match, after I just said that, Tenta empties the stock full of silver dollars onto Big Bubba. And then oh, puts, yeah. And this then is puts, the money shot of the night, folks. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Quite literally. He takes a silver dollar and puts one on each eye of Bubba like he's dead. Oh, man. Help me out here. Why is that a thing like he's dead? You, you normally put... Silver dollars in dead people's eyes. That was a thing back in the day. That was yeah, like an old super. That. that was like an old superstition thing. It's like uh, you use that to pay the reaper to get across the river Styx and whatever. That All was. Right. It. If there's some sense to it, okay, I can buy it. Yeah. If anybody watches any, uh, well, especially like, have you seen the Jim Carrey version of a Christmas Carol? Christmas Carol. Yeah. Uh, the the computer animated a Christmas Carol where he he played uh, Scrooge. No, I've seen the Grinch though with him, but not Christmas Carol. Okay, yeah, it's all computer animated and, and whatever. It, it's they animated it kind of like the Polar Express. But anyway, at the beginning of the movie, another classic, right? At the beginning of the movie, uh, when Marley, they're like uh, at Marley's funeral, and um, Scrooge like takes us takes silver dollars or pennies or whatever, and he puts them over Marley's eyes, and then and then when nobody's looking, he takes them back. <sighs> but anyway. Backstage, Mean Gene Okerlund is standing by with Sting, Lex Luger, and the Macho Man Randy Savage. There's a lot of man meat involved in this one, man. Tan, oiled, and psychotic. And painted up. Hell yeah. All three of them are wearing face paint. They look pretty cool. I kick myself because I never got the three-pack of these guys with this look. But Savage says that he doesn't care who the third man is because he'll get hurt just like he's going to hurt Nash and Hall. Luger then says that he's prepared for the Outsiders, and tonight, actions speak louder than words, even though he laid out a lot of actions that the Outsiders have taken. So, um, I think their actions have already spoken, but regardless. Uh, Sting cuts a really weird promo about having goosebumps all over his body, the Macho Man having goosebumps, and how they're all pumped up for tonight. Dude, Sting's promos were weird, man. Well, he did start out with Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, I just, like, I, I don't know, like, all these retro, like, going back and watching these in retrospect, I'm like, Sting was a, a, just a weird-ass promo. I remember watching this one live, this part right here, being like, oh, Luger's the third man. Actually, speaking out of the words, right. I, yeah, right. I, I knew it was Luger at this point. Right. In my heart of hearts. Yeah, and I... All honesty, looking back at this, if I were watching this live, like back then, I would have thought it's like it's definitely Luger. Like there's so many signs that it's Luger. Well, building up to this too, just kind of like a heel for a while, so he just randomly faced when they put him in this match. So. Well, and do you remember um, just less than a year before this, there was a thing where he got thrown into the uh, War Games match, and they and they were like, I don't know if we can trust him, and there was like right. a big thing there. And they didn't. They couldn't trust him because he ended up turning. Yeah, right, yeah. So, I mean, it was 
and then, well, we'll get into it when we get into the match. But yeah, it's just like I would have believed. I was like, it's definitely freaking Luger. I'm glad it wasn't, but you know, <laughs> it looked like it was going to be. So kudos to them for building it up so well. But up next, we get another stupid, silly stipulation as Diamond Dallas Page versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan in a taped fist slash Lord of the Ring match. They went just yes, over the Lord five of the Ring. Gee, I, I wonder how they came up with that. Yeah. It went uh, just over five and a half minutes. The Lord of the Ring, uh, it was an actual ring, and I feel like it was a precursor to the Dynamite Diamond. <laughs> the only the only common denominator here is Tony Schiavone, so I'm going to blame him. And DDP was in AEW there for a little while, remember? Didn't, didn't he... F- was it MJF that he took on on Dynamite? Maybe. I can't remember, because remember he had a match on Dynamite? I do. It's been a long yeah. while. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, DDP is still smoking cigars, but he's starting to shed some of his gimmicks. I think at this point he was coming out to self-high-five as his theme song. Definitely, because it's dubbed over in this. Yeah. And his actual that's... theme, his original theme is not dubbed over, so yeah. Oh, well, well thank God, because we all want to hear that. Motorcycles <laughs> revving, him yelling, good God! <laughs> Just all that. When they put that in 2K19, they barfed. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, but this match is supposed to be Jim Duggan's specialty. On the last pay-per-view, they claimed that Hacksaw had taped had taped Fist Fighter Ancestors back in Ireland. <laughs> so, yeah, we gotta add a new dimension to Jim Duggan after all these years. And this new dimension... This is a taped fist fighter. Yeah. What's the point of having taped fists? I mean, a fighter if you carry around two by four. Uh, you know, don't ask questions, Greg. Just go with it. All right. But in the end, Duggan is coming into the ring. DDP kicks the middle rope into his crotch and then hits the diamond cutter for the win. Uncle Dave gave it a star and three quarters. I gave it two stars for slightly below average. What say you? I give it one star. This match sucked. <laughs> DDP tried. Can you believe that? A DDP match, I gave one star to, and I gave two to Big Bubba and the Shark Avalanche Earthquake, John Tensa. I think I got them all. Golga. Just, oh, yeah. So, think about that. Well, it did have Jim Duggan in it, so that is a large weight to drag, I'll say. That, that is an albatross around the best wrestler's neck. So... <laughs> And look, we can talk about, oh, he was over and whatever. It's like, sure, he was over. Still sucked. I yeah, never... with like the hardcore Americans. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I had Mr. Warren Hayes on the show, you know, weeks ago, he was like, you know what? Never resonated with me because I'm Canadian. It's like, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> so, uh, But after the match, Duggan popped right up, tapes his fist up even more, and then punches Paige and knocks him out. And he's the American hero, folks. Yep. And he yells, ho. So there's that. Good lord. Sucked. But oh, backstage, sucked. Backstage means Gene Okerlund is standing by with Jimmy Hart, Kevin Sullivan, and WCW World's Heavyweight Champion, The Giant. Mean Gene says that some claim that the Taskmaster is the weak link in the Dungeon of Doom. Yes, that is still going on. Uh, Sullivan gets angry about this, saying that he'll hold his own against the Four Horsemen tonight. The Giant said, the Giant, who, by the way, is no longer rhyming in his promos, thank God, says that he'd never consider Sullivan a weak link because he brought the Giant into WCW and helped to end Hulkamania. 
And tonight, he's going to have some horse stew. <laughs> okay. Uh, mean Gene ends this all by telling Jimmy Hart to go brush his teeth. Oh. I I can believe we got Dungeon of Doom was still a thing. Yeah, that was still limping along. In my uh, brain, it feels like it's gone by the time the NWO starts, but nope, it doesn't, because actually somewhat feud. Yep. Yeah, there, uh, Big Bubba's still a part of it. Did, what, didn't Conan, like, just join them? Oh, he's on the verge, one of the two. Yeah, I can't remember. I forget the timeline here. Cause I, just thought, I, was, I just thought it was funny as hell, like, when he joined them. He's dressed up in, like, the Paisa outfit, and he's going, I am Dungeon of Doom. I'm like, Vato. yeah, that looks like it fits. Yeah, right. <laughs> Look, we need to stop bringing in the Monster of the Week, and we need to bring in a Cholo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Well, the final solution was gone, so you got to replace him with Conan. Yeah, that's comparable. But on the stage, Lee Marshall, who I didn't know was still employed at this time, standing by with Chris Benoit, Arn Anderson, or and Arn Anderson. Uh, Marshall says that if the Horsemen win their tag match tonight, a member of the Four Horsemen will get a WCW title match the next night on Nitro. Remember that tease, by the way. Uh, Seeing Marshall, I wanted to have some frosted flakes. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I was thinking of tigers, but I, I don't know some stripes and I don't know. Anyway, but this is a little bit of an awkward promo, I think, because the horsemen are heels, so are the dungeon. Anderson does pretty well because I mean he's Arn freaking Anderson, but Benoit sounds like somebody on day one of promo class. He's, just, he's horrible. Yeah, like, he never could talk ever. He got better, I'll say that. Not that he was good, he just, he got more natural with it. This one, he sounded like he was writing all this down and trying to sound evil while he was so, talking. So you mean he sounded like Kenny Olivier with his breathy promos? <laughs> the hell? My favorite thing with, with uh, Finger Bang there is that he legitimately thinks he's an anime character. <laughs> Like you know like, what I don't what I don't get like you have Don Callis right there never let that man speak you literally yeah. have one of the best voice or uh, promos in all wrestling don't let him speak Omega Omega yeah shut up okay. they they've made gifts out of Omega's promos and its facial expressions because it's just so goofy my favorite was when he's like over in Japan again the and you know he thinks he's an anime character and he's like ha 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 you fools. Like, what the hell? Um, I cut a promo. 69 me, Don. <laughs> Good lord. You're never going to let that die. Hell no. But all right. Not because next. of scooter was, because it was funny as hell, too. Come on, dude. He yelled <laughs> at him, like, on, on TV. <laughs> on live television. It's yep. just hilarious. Forget how stupid yeah. it is. It's just, man. It was funny, yeah. <laughs> but up next, we get a double dog collar tag match. Again, those words left my mouth. It's between the public enemy of Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge versus the Nasty Boys of Brian Knobs and Jerry Sags. I was going to say a... right now, this right here could have been the headliner for Starcade. <laughs> for God's sake. It went about 11 and a half minutes. This is a weird thing to point out, but the dub theme for Public Enemy sounds like the New Jack dub theme sped up without lyrics. Um, It is. Is it? I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, I was because yeah. I was like, I think like I the had the same thing. I think I. I feel like I was going to write down the move. I forgot to do it. I'm like, yeah, is they this took... just like the horrible natural born killers want to be? And I'm like, yeah, it is. 
Yeah, it's like it doesn't even they, make any sense though the beat with it because they're doing that the thing with their arms left and right. Yeah, it just, they couldn't just it looks so bad. They couldn't do the parody of the na 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 na. Like, come on, I'm pretty sure that's public domain. <laughs> they can make I, something and similar. I don't to know it. why that song is copyrighted either. I don't know why half of these songs are copyrighted. It's weird. I mean, obviously certain ones like you know Voodoo Child and whatever, like actual songs, but it's like. Damn. Uh, Rocco's jersey is double zero and Grunge's is 69. Wow. I'm really shocked they let him wear I didn't that. Catch that. Yeah. Well, anybody go back and check that out. This is yet another goofy stipulation on this one, on just this one freaking show, which always makes me think lazy effing booking. And this already had, like, it was basically a hardcore match that they wrestled all over the damn building. Or the, or you know, the out the arena area there, but then they added the dog collar. All right, whatever. It's like a hat on a hat. But we get the infamous split screen as these guys battle in two different areas on the stage. They use the sand and all the beach equipment as weapons. Rocco dives off the lifeguard chair. At one point, Rocco gets pulled onto a table that doesn't break, and then Sags jumps onto Rocco on the table, and again it refuses to break. Proving that WCW never gimmicked their tables. Yeah, oh. you look at it, that could be respectable, but stupid. When you've got two almost 300-pound men jumping on it and they can't break it, like, dude, gimmick your table. This isn't like when Sasha Banks kept getting repeatedly thrown into a table, and she weighs like 100 pounds soaking wet with bricks in her pocket. Ugh. But either way... Uh, in the end, Grunge get, uh, got hung over the top rope, and then Rocco got clotheslined by the chain, hanging his partner, leading to a pin. The dog collars were mostly pointless, other than giving another weapon to these guys. So oh, you're just stealing my notes now? I'm like, what was the point of the dog collars? <laughs> right. <laughs> like that's, I wrote that. That's my only note. Yeah, other than whole, how bad this match was. But yes, I'm like, what, what was the point of the dog collars? They're going to go the all finish. over the yeah. place. I thought the dog collars were supposed to keep them in the ring together. Yeah, I know. And a tag team dog collar match? Yikes. But Uncle Dave gave it a star and a quarter. I had some fun with it. I gave it two stars. What say you? I gave it one. Now, look, I don't like speaking of the dead, okay? I'm sorry, but dude, Public Enemy suck. <laughs> they are one of the worst teams in wrestling history. And I really mean that. Yeah. And I'm sorry that they're hey, gone. That sucks, okay? But, man, they are ter- they were terrible. At least when they're at least in their good days, the nasty boys can put on some kind of match. But, yep. You know, this is also well, advanced nasty boys, so they were really terrible here too. So. Yeah. Well, even Conrad Thompson, who was a he, he's like one of the biggest ECW marks of all time. You know, he even admitted he was like, dude, looking back, he's like, Paulie really made the Public Enemy look good because they sucked. They really did, like, man. Like, yeah, they were horrible. I, I can't remember. It was it was some hardcore homecoming. It was right after Rocco Rock had passed away. They brought out uh, the like the closest people to uh, former ECW alum who had passed away. So they had like Sonny and uh, for Chris Candido and and uh, Johnny Grunge or whatever. And Grunge, this was right before he died, and he was huge. But they had him jump on somebody through a table, and I'm like, and he basically fell off the. Okay, top I was just saying he didn't jump, dude. He just like kind of climbed up there and just like tilted over he he did he was so huge and he was never a skinny man i'm like dang dude 
I mean, I, I, I give them points for originality because they were like white rappers or you know, whatever, or hip hop guys. Yeah. I, How did they get away with the public enemy name, though? I don't know. I always wondered that, too, looking back at it. Not when I was a kid, but looking back at it, yeah. I, I mean, guess maybe Paul the e. trademark had lapsed and they picked it up or something. I don't know. From what I had heard, Paul E. was always like paying and fighting to keep the name, whatever, in court. But it's like, did they finally just give up and give you the name? That's weird. But after they the could match, at least use one of their songs, right? As... Yeah, right. Well, you can't wave your arms to a public. Well, I guess you could. I don't know. Well, what did Flavor Flav have to say about it? That's what I want to know. Honestly, I don't know if you're joking, but he'd probably be the one to fight it. But I... Yeah, I was just going to say, I think Chuck D just made his money and got the F out. But after the match, the public enemy jumps the nasty boys with the chains, and Rocco Rock finally puts Jerry Sags through the damn table. Like, about freaking time, man. Yeah, because you got to have an afterbirth. <laughs> yep, involving tables. But Mean Gene Okerlund's backstage... Is that, by the way, the afterbirth was my most favorite part of this match? Yeah, they finally <laughs> broke the table. It's like, yay! But Mean Gene Okerlund's backstage with a handful of police officers saying that after Scott Hall and Kevin Nash attacked Eric Bischoff at the Great American Bash, he's got security. And if they lay a hand on him, he'd sue them both. Okerlund reminds us of what commentary has been mentioning all night that Bischoff has not been there or is not there at Bash of the Beach. Mean Gene says that he... There's, Say what? A fu- there's a funny moment on Nitro when Bischoff does return. It might be the next night or no, I don't think it's the next night. That's funny because looking back, I don't think they do anything with the NWO the next night on Nitro. I think they wait a week. But um, huh. he's in the uh, he's in the booth and then, you know, Scott Hall comes out and says, "Check out uh, Big Kev, Donnie Osmond's back." <laughs> and Holy top, crap! I'm like what the hell is that? Like, <laughs> Good lord! Now you see it, right? I do now, but like the way he's like, Donnie Osmond's back. <laughs> Good grief. Uh, oh, he also man. called him a, a Ken doll wannabe, a weatherman lookalike. Like yeah, a... I think I think everybody's dropped the Ken doll comment <laughs> on him. But uh, Mean Gene says that he was hoping to interview the Outsiders, but that doesn't appear to be possible. And that leads us into our next match here. It's Dean Malenko defending the Cruiserweight title against the Disco Inferno in about 12 minutes. And it's better than you would think. So well, I was going to say, I really like this match. Yeah, don't don't turn your dial just yet, man. Uh, Disco Look, Inferno. Real quick, before you even start, people need to realize Disco was actually really good. It was just a stupid gimmick. If yeah, you I mean, judge him off his gimmick, fine. But this yeah. guy was actually a good wrestler. He was amazing. He was, he was good, yeah. And the thing was, he could keep up. So highly entertaining. That's all you really need. I mean, oh, that's absolutely. Half the battle right there. He was great on the mic. My thing and is also, like, real quick, go go look at the entrance to this too. The entire audience is like, well, not the entire, but like all the camera, the, the ones the cameras are on, they're all dancing like him and stuff. So don't I, tell yeah. me he wasn't over. My thing is like, did he pitch this? He like, I have to imagine he pitched this. Like, Glenn Gilberti was like, hey, well, Bill Ding, to- yeah, I think he did. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, how about I come out to disco music and I call myself the Disco Inferno? And they're like, what the F is that? Like, why do you want to saddle yourself with this? He's like, I can make he, it work, brother. Because he knew how talented he was to get it over. Bro, and I, know, I can I make it work, that's, bro. That's talent. You have to have talent to get that over. So Yeah, really. <laughs> it was something, man. And this was before that 70s show was a thing. So this was just this was way before. Not WWE 1995 either, so... Yep. 
Yeah, and he's not like some jobber and the you know jerk in the curtain or something. Like he's in a title match here, man. He was a part of uh, the Wolf Pack for like a heartbeat. He did jerk the curtain on Nitro a lot, but looking back, it was probably <laughs> looking back though, it was probably strategic. Because well, like so John, I said, yeah. everybody was up dancing with him and stuff. So why wouldn't you want to start your show with the audience that hot? Yep. I mean, so did uh, Johnny B. Bad. Right. So, but Disco's carrying a gold record to the ring with him. Before the match, Disco says that he knows everyone came to see him dance. But after he beats Mr. Personality, everyone's welcome to his disco dance party. Mr. Yeah. Personality. <laughs> that part popped me. I was like, OK, that's funny. But the this whole, is when uh, Dimalenko's shirt just came out too, where it's just his eyes. It was like a long rectangle on like on the on the pectoral area of the shirt. It was yeah. Just Dimalenko's eyes. So wow. that goes right along with Mr. Personality. <laughs> I wonder if they stole that from like, or if they like what what came first here? Because well, yes, because they had to have done it first because Sid wasn't even back yet. Because Pritchard said when they pitched the Austin 316 shirt, the other shirt they were also pitching at the same time was just Sid Vicious's eyes. Wow. Yeah, it was a black shirt with just his eyes. I'm like, okay, so now that you told me that about Malenko, it's like, so they were ripping off WCW merchandise? Yes, so. That's weird. But in the end, uh, or, well, when Malenko comes out, actually, he beats the hell out of Disco. In the end, Malenko hits a standing Tiger Driver into a Texas Cloverleaf for the submission victory. I always love that finish, by the way. Oh, I loved it, too. It's a great transition. Uh, Uncle Dave gave it three and a quarter stars. I gave it an even three. What say you? Same three. Really like damn this good. And I didn't expect that much, man. I was like, I mean, and I just said, you know, not to go back on what I said, but I'm a disco fan. But I wasn't expecting much. I'm like, yeah, it's Dean Malenko. Oh but... yeah, I was just saying it's Dean Malenko too. Yeah, but man, there was a period wasn't... of time where you could call that man the best wrestler on the planet. Oh, for sure, yeah, and. I will say this is an odd thing to notice, but uh, like the older, you know, the, when people have brought this up through the years, like Jim Cornette talking about uh, Lawler having amazing working punches. Disco had some really good working punches. Like they looked like actual punches. So well, he is a New Yorker. Maybe they were <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, well, with that hair and wearing what he probably wore, he better learn to throw a punch <laughs> and it better not be a working one either. Talking about, you better learn to take a punch. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, but anyway, up next, we got the Desperado, Joe Gomez, taking on Steve Bonko McMichael with Deborah McMichael. Take just... my money. Yeah, damn right. Asses in seats, man. This is what they came to see. Oh, God dang it. Uh, but this one in six minutes, 44 <laughs> seconds. Uh, just And if you're asking, who the hell is Joe Gomez? You're not alone. During Mongo's entrance, we get a camera shot from the sand where they make it look like we're seeing from a crab's perspective. Did you see, yeah. did you see that? You know how so you loved experimenting with camera angles? Remember the infamous referee cam? They called yeah. it the referee. Yes. Yep. And it sucked and everybody hated it. And they, took they, it had like a, yep. they had a they had a, a camera one time on the uh, turn. Uh, yeah. The thermal post. Mm-hmm. But like clearly they couldn't get a high quality one because it looked like you were like viewing it underwater. Yeah, it sucked. And the thing with the referee, you gotta give points for trying, though. I mean, you know, it's they did something original. You gotta give them points for that. Well, yeah, and it it wasn't it a helmet cam on the referee. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if you think about it, that's the original GoPro. Yeah, right. So it's 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 weird and it sucked, but you know, thought that referee was just like so lame. Like you could have did better with that. 
Just throw yeah. it in the camp, little boy. <laughs> the ref cam. <laughs> Good lord. But I said, this match felt like 17 minutes, not less than seven minutes. Mongo finally catches Gomez with a tilt-a-whirl into a tombstone pile driver for the win. My look, and I, I love Mongo. Like, you know, the, 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 like he seems like a cool dude, and he's funny as hell and all that, and I feel bad that he's got Lou Gehrig's disease. But let's be honest. Mongo sucked. This match sucked. The best thing about this was in the end when Bobby Heenan called <laughs> McMichael's poodle, he said, quote, their pet dog, their pet guard dog, Ditka. <laughs> and he said, look at that, the viciousness in that dog's eyes. It'll tear the cuff right off your pants. Oh, oh my gosh. Uncle Dave gave it negative half a star. I just gave it a dud. It sucked so bad. What say you? <sighs> Man, yeah. I, I was going to say what you said, too. I don't like burying a guy that's. Unfortunately, on the brink of death. But so you let it, me do it. it. Cool, it. Well, no, I was saying the same thing. I was like, you know, but got it. We're talking about wrestling here, not the man. And yeah, he was terrible. One star. Yeah, and I'm gonna. I couldn't believe things. that the great Joe Gomez couldn't carry him to a better match. You, know? <laughs> you don't remember? Up. You don't remember that classic? Yeah, with Ric Flair, man, when they went for 60 minutes on Nitro that one night. Yeah, they went for a 60-minute oh, Broadway and, you know, it was amazing. Du- double juice and, you know, the crowd gave him a standing ovation at the end, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's right up there with Jimmy Graffiti and Bunkhouse Buck, dude. Yeah, right. It's, a, it's just an unseen classic. Good Lord. Uh, they were going to do a rematch at the Clash of Champions right before, you know, they ended the show. You know, so it's just, you know, it was, it was bad timing for Joe. But <laughs> He tried, man. God bless his soul. Yeah, right. I'll say two two last things about Mongo before we move on. First of all, I have a toy of him. And not because I seek like I was seeking out a Mongo toy. He came in a Horseman four pack. But the fact still remains that I have a Mongo for a uh, figure. And the second thing is I really wish and I, I highly doubt because I think he didn't he say he's done with personal appearances like forever, basically. Mongo? Yeah. Pretty much. I don't think he can now at this point. Yeah, right. And I think he's in a wheelchair and whatever. Um, I I wish I could have got to meet him. I've heard he's like funny as hell and he's a cool dude. But it's a and it's a weird thing. You could be like, dude, I got Mongo's autograph. It's like, what? <laughs> Put that in your safe. <laughs> but anyway, backstage, Mean Gene Okerlund standing by with Ric Flair, Miss Elizabeth and woman. Ric Flair says that Mongo won uh, Anderson and and uh, Benoit will beat, quote, the devil and the giant later. And he's going to add the U.S. title to this trophy case. Flair gets pretty racist, continually breaking out in La Cucaracha. <sighs> oh, man. Didn't he call Muda? I don't know uh, if I want to say it, but. He's, he, I, I don't remember what he, oh, he said he was a. Uh, oh, yeah. Not my words, but he called him he called him a chap. Remember, he said it on. Oh yeah, he said he, what? And the thing was, he wasn't saying it in a racist manner either. I mean, not not excusing it, but back then he was just like, yeah, "That's one tough chap." And yeah. I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah. Uh, but again, back then, you know, nobody cared. That wasn't considered racist. Now it's like, "Holy crap!" I can't believe he said that. Uh, but me, Gene asks the women what they're going to do with their extra money tonight. I don't know what he's referring to. Uh, uh, and this has all Macho Man's money from their um, wedding. Yeah, oh, I believe Lord. that's still a thing. Wow. Uh, and they say that they're going to throw a big private party at their hotel. 
Okerlund is super pervy with with the women and said that he and Ric Flair are going to have a pole vaulting competition tonight. <laughs> Holy crap. That one took me like two seconds. And I was like, mother of God, that's disgusting. I love how his best stuff came from Flair and Hogan. Right, yeah. He literally just picked like the top two guys in wrestling history and said, "This is who I'm going to do my work with, my best work with." You literally I can't know. go wrong with that. <laughs> oh, exactly, yeah. Uh, the segment went on for like two years, by the way. I don't know about you, but god yeah. dang, it dragged on. Something tells me that it fills some time. An- another one, uh, yeah. So Flair can get in more verses of La Cucaracha. <laughs> Uh, another, another one that he had some, some funny stuff with, uh, mean gene that is pronouns, pal. God dang it. Uh, was, uh, above set average Mike Sanders. <laughs> like, come here, above average, ass. <laughs> <laughs> he always called him a little smart ass. I love, <laughs> he always cracked me up, but all right, up next it's Conan defending the United States title against the nature boy, Ric Flair with Miss Elizabeth and woman in his corner. This is happening. One it of goes. these things doesn't belong. <laughs> right. Like, what the hell? Uh, this one went for just over 15 and a half minutes. Conan was clearly the poster boy for AAA, by the way, because the AAA logo hell is on his yeah. it's on his entrance jacket and his singlet. I'm like, damn, they actually let him wear that? I'm like, all right, whatever. Uh, outside of the ring, Conan goes for flair, and he also knocks Elizabeth down, but she no-sells it and gets right back up. A woman shakes the ropes and trips Conan right in front of the ref, but nothing is done about it. Later on, woman kicks Conan in the nards behind the referee's back. The crowd actually cheers for this. Uh, good lord. While he's holding his junk, by the way, he's also trying to pump up the crowd with one hand. <laughs> did you see yeah, that? Yeah, I did, yes. Like, what? The, we can see you. You're on camera. That is the point. Yeah. <sighs> The the women keep getting involved in this one. Behind the referee's back, woman slams her spiked high heel shoe into Conan's forehead, and Ric Flair covers him with his feet on the top rope for the win, because apparently the referee's a blind idiot. This felt like an awkward matchup to me. I, I wasn't super into it. Uncle Dave and I both gave it two and a half stars. What say you? I gave it two, but I didn't hate it. It didn't suck. I just felt like it was weird. I don't know. And you think Conan's, like, not a small dude until he's standing up next to Ric Flair, who's not even that huge. And Ric Flair's, like, looking down at him. I was like, okay, I didn't realize you're that short, but whatever. Uh, Mean Gene Oakland's outside of the the, uh, Outsider's locker room, saying that he hears a third voice. It sounds familiar, but it's muffled, and he can't quite place it. Oakland then speculates more on who the third man is tonight. What, he couldn't make out the brother every couple seconds? No, maybe because everything was working for him. Yeah, right. I believe, hold on, I think the third man is saying, that doesn't work for me. (laughs) Anyway, up next we get the four horsemen of Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit taking on the Dungeon of Doom of the Giant and Kevin Sullivan. So what, about eight minutes? The Dungeon of Doom. Because why would you have a world title match on this pay-per-view? Exactly, Greg. That would just be stupid. One of your biggest shows of the year, the reveal of the third man. Nah, you got to build up the world title match for the next night on Nitro. Anyway, the Dungeon of Doom jumps the horsemen in the entryway before the match. Uh, before the match even starts, they brawl all over. Mongo smacks a giant in the back with his steel briefcase that he won the month before. Halliburton. 
Oh, excuse Nobody me. Nobody called it a briefcase, idiot. No, it is. It's a contract, pal. God dang it. No, I know. I know you said it was a Halliburton. <laughs> well, uh, but anyway. He Pat McAfee keeps calling it a, a briefcase, by the way. He might get in some deep crap for that. But... Oh, man. He might get fired. <laughs> well, the next thing you know, he'll be saying hospital instead of medical facility. <laughs> But he takes off from the back, and the giant, like an idiot, chases him. Once the actual match starts, the giant finally comes back to the ring as Sullivan is getting double teamed. Something was telling me in this match that Sullivan and Benoit didn't like each other as a shoot. Because, man, they beat the tar out of each other. Uh, Sullivan and Benoit battle up to commentary, and the giant chokeslams Anderson in the ring for the pinfall win, which means that nobody gets that title shot. You're all going to your room. Uncle Dave and I both gave it two stars. It wasn't very good. Let's say you. I gave it one. I hated this. Yeah, this sucked. It, uh, I thought it was below average, but above suck. So I gave it two. Above suck. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best I can say for it, man. And this is right before the main event, too. So keep that in mind. But after the match, Benoit dives off the commentary stage onto uh, Kevin Sullivan and then brawls with him back to the ring. The Giant took off, leaving the Taskmaster alone again. While Benoit is beating on Sullivan, a woman rushes to the ring, begging Benoit to stop. Finally, the Giant comes back to the ring with Jimmy Hart, and Benoit bails. Well, you know, you got to get Hart to come out with you. Jimmy Hart's the one that's going to chase him off. No? No. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Uh, But the Giant then carries Sullivan to the back on his shoulder like a wee baby. But all right, that's that. We're about to get into the main event, so we're going to take our second-to-last break here. When we come back, it's the moment you've all been waiting for, the main event of Bash of the Beach 1996, right after this. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod, on Twitter at main event underscore marks, and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Fanatics offers the world's largest collection of official sports apparel and gear from all the leagues, teams, and players that you love, including the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, NCAA, NASCAR, soccer, and golf. They even offer esports gear for the gamers among us. You can shop by brand, sport, team, or player. And if you sign up for fan cash, you get exclusive weekly deals. So head on over to Fanatics.com today. Fanatics is a sponsor of the main event Marks and Unhinged Sports Network. Main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. And we're back. After the outsiders come to the ring, Mean Gene Oakland comes down to talk to the uh, to uh, ring announcer Michael Buffer, and then interview Nash and Hall. Oakland asks who the third man is. Hall's still doing his Cuban accent, calling Gene Chico. So obviously that lawsuit hadn't hit him that hard at this point. Or he got drunk and didn't get the memo. Let's not jump Good. to any conclusions here. Good Lord. Uh, both he and Nash. I'm a huge that, Scott Hall fan. You know that. So. Yeah. Uh, but both he and Nash say that the third man is in the building and he'll be at the ring eventually before telling Gene to hit the bricks. So this next match is the outsiders of Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and a mystery third man. Who's that third man? Taking on. You got Sting. enough right here for now. Uh, taking on Sting, Lex Luger, and the Macho Man Randy Savage, all painted up. It's a six-man tag match. It went 16 minutes. The crowd clearly paid for this match because they are electric as hell as soon as Man Called Sting hits the PA system. 
Did you notice that? <laughs> just like as soon as Sting's theme hit, they just blew their crap. Uh, other than Sting, by the way, this looks like a 1994 WWE match. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I like them all being painted, by the way, they look ridiculous, Luger and Savage. But... At least they color coordinated. I'll give them that. But uh, Kevin Nash holds Lex Luger in a front face lock over the corner. Sting hits a stinger splash onto him, and then Luger collapses to the outside, knocked out. EMTs come down and load him onto the gurney to take him to the back. So it's now down to two on two. Later in the match, when Savage is in control, Nash low blows him behind the referee's back. Hulk Hogan then comes out, and the crowd absolutely blows. Shivani and Rhodes are happy to see him, but Heenan shouts, whose side is he on? And the outsiders bail from the ring. So did you catch that when you were watching this live, him yelling that? I did. What did you think? Did you Were you like thinking that he was going to turn or were you thinking it's like ah it's Heenan he's always hated Hogan I thought he was going to turn really I feel like the moment I saw him come out it was him I was like wow. oh my god it's him see the I was crowd waiting, because it's like the thing is what set it up to is something we didn't mention Luger gets hurt taken out yeah. and I'm like okay he's going to come back out now and that's what's going to happen that's what I in my heart of heart thought was going to happen yeah he was going to be the third man yeah so that's what I was alluding to earlier, that it's like, well, clearly Luger was going to be a third man after that. But, you know, or that's what you would think. But no. And when Hogan came out, clearly the crowd thought he was there to save WCW because they blew for him. The There's out- a couple of – and if anybody hears something in the background, I'm sorry, I'm watching NXT. Um, mm-hmm. um, clearly a lot of the fans were – like you can see some of them like pointing at each other going like, I told you, I told you. Like some of them knew it. So, oh man, I didn't yeah, I didn't uh, catch that one, yeah, but yeah, well, a few guys in the crowd. Well, the outsiders bail from the ring. Hogan then hits two leg drops on Randy Savage before Hall tosses Sting from the ring, and Hogan throws a referee out of the ring. Hogan hits another leg drop and covers Savage as Hall counts to three. I'm assuming that the that uh, Team WCW won this via disqualification. They never really made the announcement. Not that it was important. I assumed it was a draw. Yeah, I mean, it's just not that it mattered, but, you know, that is what it is. Uncle Dave gave this three stars as a match. I thought it was average, two and a half. What say you? I thought the match was decent, but only two stars. Real stories, what happened after. Of course. Yeah, the match itself was just to set up things. It, it was a means to an end, basically. But after the match, the outsiders do Hogan's ear cup to the crowd as people throw garbage at all three men. Mean Gene Okerlund climbs into the ring and asks Hogan what he's thinking. Hogan says that the crowd needs to shut up if they want to hear him. While Mean Gene talks, the outsiders keep doing Hogan's signature poses to the crowd. I popped. Hogan says that this is the new world order of wrestling, brother. Hogan says that Hall and Nash came from, quote, a a great big organization up north. and says that no one knows more about that organization than him. He says that he made that company what it is today, and he made them all rich up there. He says that as far as WCW goes, he's bored. And with Hall and Nash by his side, they're going to destroy the world of wrestling. Mean Gene points out all the trash in the ring. And Hogan says, quote, all this crap in the ring represents all these fans out here. Hogan then says that the fans can take their receptions for him and stick it. He credits himself with giving everyone in WCW a job, getting them paid and making wrestling what it is today. Tony Schiavone ends the broadcast famously by saying, Hulk Hogan, you can go to hell. We're out of here. Straight to hell. 
one. That was that, that like that end part's what made it for me. Straight to hell. <laughs> like what the hell, dude? But all right, that does it for the show at hand. We'll take another really quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into the final ratings and what's to come next week here on our humongous month of July. Right after this. Follow the Main Event Marks at Facebook.com forward slash Main Event Marks pod on Twitter at Main Event underscore Marks and on Instagram at Main Event underscore Marks and at Main Event Collector. Fubo TV offers you live sports and TV without the overpriced cable. Fubo TV offers 100 channels, live and on demand, plus over 130 streaming in 4K, and a cloud DVR is included. The Fubo TV app is available on all smart devices, so you can watch what you want, when you want. There are no hidden fees, and you can cancel any time. Cut the cord and sign up for your free trial at Fubo.tv today. Fubo TV is a sponsor of the main event Marks and Unhinged Sports Network. Main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, we are back. Final ratings time. IMDb gave this puppy 7.8 out of 10. Cagematch.net gave it 8.41 out of 10. I give it 8 out of 10 for a BB plus. What say you? I gave it a C plus. Other than the big moment, though, this paper was just okay, but it was not bad. It had some pretty good high points on it, I think. The opening match was amazing. Cruiserweight title match was good. Um, I don't know. I mean, other than that, Conan and Ric Flair was okay. Hey, man, you know, we got to see Joe Gomez and Steve Mongo McMichael. So, I mean, that, that was history in the making right there, man. I'm just pissed that they didn't give him, like, more time. Yeah, I mean, they, they could have went, you know, 60-minute Broadway, man. Just like I said, double juice, you know, in a cage. It would have been amazing. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, we, <laughs> we forgot to mention, by the way, at the top of this, so I'll mention it now. Uh, we are we recorded a little early, so it's before. But as of the posting of this, it's uh, a few days after America's birthday. Happy birthday, America. Independence Day happened. If all went right in my life, then I got to see some fireworks. I'm sure you did, too. See fireworks every damn night. Oh well, yeah. That's... So they've kind of like ruined them. It's like, okay, now I'm going to see more of this that I've been seeing all week or all month. Well, and again, if things all go well for me uh, or went well uh, in retrospect, then uh, you know they're supposed to have an actual like Fourth of July festival with food trucks and crap out here in my town. So I'm looking forward to that after a year of being locked down. So, and not in the Uso Penitentiary, but either way. <laughs> so uh, yeah I hope you all enjoyed one of the biggest shows in the history of wrestling talking about it with us next week we're actually going to TNA for a 10 year anniversary show it's TNA Destination X 2011 do you remember this one I believe that's the same weekend as uh, or same week as it's anniversary and off the top of my head I don't but I'm pretty, pretty sure once I fired up it'll all come back to me yeah I mean uh I just know that it's, uh, you know, Abyss gets his shot at the, at the X Division title. So, and hey, AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels main event. So that can't be a bad thing, right? Yeah. On paper. So, yeah, RVD versus Jerry Lynn. I I mean, is this, I'm, I'm honestly looking forward to this. I don't remember it off the top of my head because Arian and Samoa Joe opened the show. 
it looks on paper like a great, great show. So I'm very much looking forward to covering that. Like I said, man, we're not ironically covering a stinker all month. Like, it's all good stuff all month. Well, now, hold on. I don't remember this one off the top of my head, so this might be a stinker. Who knows? I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's, like, at least good and not complete garbage. But, you know, could be wrong. But we'll see. We'll talk about that more next week for that one. Thank you for joining me today, Greg. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you next week for Destination X 2011. Hulk Hogan, you can go to hell. We're out of here. Straight to hell. <laughs>